0: Our missions update tonight is the Weirich family, Brother Ernie and Miss Nancy, our missionaries in Delta Junction, Alaska, and Brother Ernie writes, Just like most of you, we've had to change the way we do ministry. Services have been interrupted and home visits are limited as well, but God has opened other ways to minister to the people here in Delta Junction. As many of you know, we used to have services at the assisted living center here in Delta Junction. Sadly, the center has been closed now for almost two years. One of the ladies that prepared the meals for the residents worked almost every Sunday. She would sit in the kitchen and listen to my sermons. We would talk with her and give her a gospel lesson each week that she worked. After the center closed, we saw her occasionally around town. Last December, we met her at a hotel in Fairbanks the day before we flew to Cordova. She had recently been diagnosed with cancer and was beginning treatment. I prayed with her and talked with her about God and His love and care for her. While we were in Cordova, she had a fire and lost her home. We called her from Cordova, and again we returned to Delta. A month ago, she lost her dad to a heart attack. She has been through so much, and her battles continue. Two weeks ago, she called to share her burden regarding family problems. I talked with her, and she allowed me to pray with her. I have written all this to tell of God's grace, His mercy, and His wonderful love. On the Friday before Easter, she called me again. When I asked her how I could help her, she said, I need to be saved. What a privilege it was to lead her to the Lord. That afternoon, I took her a Bible and some other materials to help her get started in her walk with God. Nancy has been in contact with her, and we are planning to work with her more when Nancy returns from visiting her parents in North Carolina. Our contact will be limited for a while due to her cancer treatment, her weakened immune system, and the social distancing mandates. So please keep her in your prayers as she starts her new life with Christ. Nancy and I are grateful for all your prayers and support. We do not take it for granted because we know many of you are struggling financially as well. We want you to know that we appreciate all that you do for us. We are so blessed to have friends like each of you that pray for us and support us financially. Your missionaries, Ernie and Nancy Weirich.
1: Well, good evening, church, and we welcome you back to tonight's Wednesday Night Bible Study. And we thank you so much for participating and being a part of this as we look into the Word of God together tonight. And we're going to jump right in that in just a moment. I want to start with prayer tonight, and then, of course, at the end, I want to pray with you specifically about our study and about things going on uh, here in the church and our church family. But let's open with prayer, and then tonight we will uh, look into the Word of God together. Father, as we begin this evening the study of this this scripture these truths tonight i know the serious the deep value of what we are going to look at tonight but i will admit i will confess i don't probably even begin to understand the depth of the importance of us coming to this and studying these thoughts and this topic tonight but lord i believe you're going to do something to help each and every one of us i know just preparing has already been an encouragement and a help to me And, uh, Lord, I pray that tonight as we look into the Word of God together, as I share these things, that we'll just be honest from our hearts and uh, we'll just give you our full attention, let you speak to us, let you enter into us in our life, wherever we may be right now, whatever we may be dealing with, that we'll just open ourselves up to you, God and the healing that you offer us. Lord, I love you tonight. I thank you for the word of God, and I pray that you would guide me in the teaching this evening and your people in the listening. And I ask it all in Christ's name. Amen. All right. We're going to open our Bibles. First of all, I want to read a passage of Scripture, and you can mark this passage, or we'll be coming back to it. But it's Psalm 31. I'd like to look at Psalm 31 with you tonight. Psalm 31. And I'm going to read just the first 10 verses of this psalm. It says, In Thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in Thy righteousness. Bow down thine ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be Thou my strong rock, for an house of defense to save me. For Thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for Thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net that they have laid privately for me. For Thou art my strength. Into Thine hand I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. I have hated them that regard lying vanities, but I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy, for thou hast considered my trouble. Thou hast known my soul in adversities, and hast not shut me up into the hand of the enemy. Thou hast set my feet in a large room. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. Mine eye is consumed with grief, yea, my soul and my belly." For my life is spent with grief, and my years with sighing. My strength faileth because of mine iniquity, and my bones are consumed. Now, you may not be able to put a finger on it, as they say, um, that thing that you've been feeling lately. You know, way down deep inside. It uh, it seems familiar, but maybe it's just not quite clear right now. But I think it's fair to say that everyone you know is feeling at least a touch of that same deep emotion lately. There's a name for it. Sometimes it's obvious when it comes, and everyone around you will see it when it's in you. Then there are other times it's more obscure. I think it masquerades as something else, and that's almost the more dangerous place because when we can't identify the trouble, well, then it's awfully hard to receive the remedy. Now, what am I talking about? Well, over the past few weeks, I have sensed it. It's in the air, and I think you have too. When I talk to people and when I sort through my own heart, when I just take a serious look at all the effects of this virus pandemic and how it is even to this day, I mean literally today, bringing some more concerns and worries about not only what's happening now, what has happened, but what's going to happen in the future, even weeks from now, months from now. Here lately, they've talked a lot about second and third waves of the virus. So uncertainty is a part of this thing I'm talking about. You know, um, I was out mowing my yard a couple of weeks ago, and it became it has become a custom for me uh, when I'm mowing, I like to listen to some podcasts that I enjoy, let's just say it that way. Well, one of those had a, quote, bonus episode that they were offering, and the title of it caught my eye. And this is what it said, How the Stages of Grief Explain What You're Feeling During the Pandemic. Now, I tell you, given everything that I've been studying, all the things that the Lord has been leading me to preach on and to teach on over these last several weeks, and even into you know the first of the year, going back January, and uh, it's been heavily themed around the idea of recovery of our heart for God. Well, I'm telling you, I had to turn that episode of a podcast on and listen to it because you know, I knew that I needed to hear what they were going to say. Well, anyway, listening to Dr. Kessler, I recognize truth in what he was saying that people are really experiencing this to some degree. I mean, everyone is. I don't care who you are. I don't care how well you think you've got it going and how well things are together in your life, and you know some people definitely are experiencing more than others, but everybody's been touched by this thing of grief, and I believe God would have us name this, call it out, and figure out how we're to deal with it and what is the purpose behind it. Now, if you'll hang with me for a few moments tonight, I promise this is not going to be a psychology class. I don't even have any degrees or studies in that. What we're going to study is God's word, and God's word speaks to this thing of grief. But understand this, your heart, your mind, your thoughts and feelings, feelings, they are God-given And you have been given positive and negative emotions. They are designed by God to help you navigate your way through life. So I'm encouraging you tonight, if you're already you're listening to this, you're thinking, what's preacher talking about? Where's this going? Remember, this is our Wednesday night Bible study. So we're gonna slow down and we're gonna look at a topical study tonight and begin maybe a couple of weeks of looking at this thing of grief. So don't brush it off as some emotional mumbo-jumbo. Listen, God takes this thing very serious, as we're going to see in the Scripture, and for our, he takes it serious for our sake, for the wholeness of our souls. So I've read from, from Psalm 31, but I want to give you tonight a biblical example of what I'm talking about, this thing of grief. If you'll take your Bibles and turn to 1 Samuel 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1. Now, David wrote Psalm 31. I'm going to come back to that in just a little bit. But here in 1 Samuel chapter 1, we have the story of Hannah, the mother of Samuel. And, of course, when this starts out, Hannah is not a mother. She's not had a child. And we're going to read these verses and notice what's happening in Hannah's life. In verse number 1, it says, Now, there was a certain man of Ramathayimthasim. Now, you can't say that very fast, but I think I did a fairly decent job. And if I didn't, maybe you wouldn't know anyway. But anyway, uh, his name of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, and Ephrathite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Paniah. And Paniah had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priest of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peniah his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb. And listen to this, verse 6, And her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her fret... Because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Now notice what's happening to Hannah in this this account. She's been provoked sore, the Bible says. She has been made to fret. These are ways of expressing grief. Grief. I read that grief is intense emotional suffering caused by loss. Loss is a key word. Everybody's losing or has lost something. So it's intense emotional suffering caused by loss. It is like entering the valley of shadows. Grief is painful and it is hard work. So that's a pretty, uh, I think, timely description of, of a lot of what folks are feeling right now. And I'm talking about you and me. I'm talking about God-fearing people. I'm not talking about the lost. Yes, the lost are grieving. Yes, the people that have no peace from the Lord, they grieve. But friends, you and I are going to have to deal with some grief in our life. And in this season is a time where we're going to have to deal with some of that. What is Hannah grieving over? And that's a fair question. Well, I think there are two things that quickly jump off the page as to what Hannah is grieving over. Number one, she's grieving over the provocation of her adversary. She's being provoked by uh, Panaya. Panaya is uh, you know looking at Hannah and saying, Boy, don't you wish you had children like I have children? Boy, Elkanah, he'd treat you as good as he treats me. And You know, it wasn't true. Elkanah was treating Hannah very well because he loved her very much. But I'm going to tell you something. When you're in the middle of grief, you don't always see the big picture. And Paniah is accusing her. She is provoking her. Friends, I'm going to tell you something. We have an adversary. We have an accuser, and he will provoke you, especially during a season of your trouble, especially during a season when you have lost something, especially in a season when your life has been disrupted. You're in a great transition, which all of us are in right now. So the adversary is provoking her. I'll tell you, the second thing she's grieving over is, now listen to these words. I chose them carefully. The fear, the anger, the guilt, and the shame of missing out on being a mother. You see, this is what's grieving Hannah. It's not just that she has an adversary accusing her and provoking her, but Hannah is looking at her life and saying, I just don't understand. I may never get to be a mother. God, why is it? And the Bible, the descriptive language here, she's angry. She's dealing with some anger about this. I believe she's dealing with some guilt. Why can I not give my husband a child? There's shame. Culturally, there was shame in that day of not being able to bear a child. And so Hannah's grieving over all this stuff. Look at how descriptive this thing is that Hannah's experiencing. This phrase, provoked sore, it means just that she's just being vexed. She's just being accused by her adversary kind of already dealt with that a little bit, but her soul, her inside, her beings being vexed. The word fret, it literally means to be tumbled about. It's like being inside of a you know a vehicle that's just rolling, and man, you're just getting tossed all over the place, just getting beat up on the inside of that thing. Hannah is going to be asked the question, why is thy heart grieved? This is going to come up from Paniah as, uh, in verse number eight. He says, "Her husband, Hannah, why weepest thou? Why eatest thou not? Why is thy heart grieved?" In this word, "grieved," it means to be broken up, like a house in the middle of a tornado. And I'm telling you, she's experiencing this. And then she speaks herself when she's asked by Eli, "What is what? You know, are you drunk? What's wrong with you, woman?" And she says, "I'm not drunk. It's the bitterness of my soul." Again, that speaks directly to the anger that she was feeling on the inside. In other words, she's feeling a little chafed about this. She's disappointed. God, why are you not doing this for me? God, why are you allowing this to happen? Why are you allowing Paniah to accuse me? Why are you allowing me to go through this sense of, of missing out on being a mother? It doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem fair. Well, listen, friends, everyone feels some loss in their life right now. I'm talking about today, right now. Now, granted, some losses have been greater than others. You know, the loss of a beloved neighbor to the virus is a really deep and painful loss. The loss of a vacation can be tough, but I think you get over that one a little bit easier. But this is the thing. No grief, no matter how big or small it may seem, no matter what it may be coming from, no grief should be buried, should be swept under the rug, so to speak, and ignored. It needs to be dealt with. It needs to be wrestled with because grief has a purpose. And that's why I'm talking to you tonight and maybe in the next couple of weeks about grappling with grief. People are missing church fellowship. Some folks have lost their job or they've lost hours at their job. We're missing human interaction. Thank the Lord that you still, if you, you, know, if you have your family in your home and you can, you can hug and you can interact there, but I know some of you, you're, you're single. Some of you, even couples that don't have children in your home right now and you're a little distance from family and friends, that's a loss. Again, we've talked about students missing graduation. Some have lost vacations that they had planned. And we know the world is changing. It's just like after 9-11. The thing is, we don't know what the new normal is going to look like. In fact, let me just say this. The loss of normal itself can be grieving. The loss of what was our normal life, that standard that we expected. In other words, it's that feeling you get when the future is uncertain and Friends, we are in an uncertain time right now in a lot of ways. There's certainly, you know, you think about anticipatory grief. So a storm is coming. We hear the report, a storm's coming, but we don't know how bad it's going to be. And in our heart, we ask the question, well, how bad is this storm going to be? Your friend gets a bad diagnosis from the doctor. Man, is it life-threatening? What is it? Is it cancer? Even through the course of a normal day, think about this, how we experience this. When your mind runs through just just thoughts, you know how your mind strings thoughts together and And maybe that thought runs through your mind. You know, mom and dad aren't always going to be here with me. And that can be a source of anticipatory grief. It may not last long, but there it is on the inside of us. And if we're not careful, it's the little foxes that spoil the vines. And these little things, these little concerns, these little anxieties, they build up. And then help us when this big stuff happens, and it happens. By the way, I want to say something to you. Whatever you're feeling, whatever sense of this grief that you're going through right now, it's not condemnation on you. This is natural. I say it's nat—it's a natural part of living in a fallen world. Let's say it like that. And there's nobody that is immune to this. And I want to get I want to give you some encouragement right here before we move on. Hey, the Lord knows exactly what you're going through. He knows what you're facing right now. Oh, I got some good news for you here in a minute now. Because I'm going to tell you, He not only knows, but He knows how to help you with whatever you're going through. So grief, again, a natural effect in a fallen world. Loss is real. Pain is real. Disappointment is real. You know this already, but let's just name it out loud. Death is coming to all of us. We know that, don't we? Aging is a part of life in this temporal world. Sickness exists. It gets passed around. Loved ones will break your heart sometimes. Jobs and careers get lost. Friends move away. The seasons of life constantly change. Is it fair? Is it fun? Well, let me loudly and clearly answer, no, it's not. It hurts. It tears us up on the inside. Back in Psalm 31 that we read earlier, David said this in verse 9 and 10. He said, have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. Mine eye is consumed with grief, yea, my soul and my belly. For my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. My strength faileth because of mine iniquity, and my bones are consumed. And that grief that David was feeling inside of him, it was affecting him physically. The same was true in Hannah's life. We read this in in the scriptures. The reality of grief, it's undeniable. But here's the thing. It's the response to grief. That's where we need to focus. That's where we need to find the direction from God on. When you look at Kessler and, and the work on grief and grieving and those five stages of grief, uh, the number one, and put it into the context of, of just coronavirus season. So, so number one is denial. Now remember, you might recognize some of these thoughts in your own heart over the last couple of months. The number one state, denial. Well, this won't affect us. It's, you know, I, I know it's happening over there, but it's not going to come here. Denial. Then the second stage that is listed is anger. By the way, let me interrupt this, this message to say, anger and grief are very close-kin. Throughout the Bible, as I've been studying on this, and, uh, and and I just continue to be amazed at how much I'm seeing it as I'm prayerfully looking for it, but anger and grief go hand in hand. It is it, Anger, grief, and loss. Those three seem to go together all the time. But anger is the second stage. Stay at home. You're kidding me. I got to stay at home? What? I can't go to fill in the blank, you know, anger. The third stage is depression. Is this ever going to end? My goodness, how long are we going to have to go through this? Are we ever going to get our life back? And then the the fourth stage is bargaining. Okay, okay. So if I stay at home, if I practice practice social distancing for two or three weeks, everything's going to be all right, right? And then the fifth one is acceptance. Acceptance that's where you come to this point of saying, you know what? This thing is real. This thing is happening, and we need to figure out how to deal with it. I remember in, I think, and not, I mean, look, I'm being a little funny about that, and uh, I know when you're going through serious, deep, hard grief, not a lot of funny about any of that, but I remember the first couple weeks of March when this started getting talked about in our area and the possibility of you know, not being able to meet at church and all that. I mean, I think I went through all five of those thoughts, you know, inside of a week. And I remember it was on March the 16th, the day after our last time we had church together. We had it on March 15th. And that next day, when the president and the vice president got up and they made their presentation and I called on all of our country to come together and try to slow the spread of the virus, I think that's when the—well, I not think I know that's when acceptance sunk in. And I said, you know what? This thing is actually happening. We're going to have to figure out what we're going to do about it. You know, all of that makes sense to us, I think, because we've been through it. If you've lived very long in this life, you've, you've had an occasion to experience grief in this way. This isn't the first time. You've had enough trouble, enough loss, enough pain to know what all those stages are like. But here's the thing. Every one of us can get through grief and get through those stages. But what we need is not just to get through that, but we need to come out on the other side of it thriving in our walk with God and in our, our closeness to God and our love of God and one another it's about finding some meaning in all of this. And, you know, I don't mean by that that we'll ever come to fully understand the reason something happens in our life. Right now, you're thinking about something you've gone through, maybe in the last year, maybe in the last couple of years, maybe something that happened months, years, you know, years ago. But I don't, I'm don't. i not saying we'll ever get the meaning per se in the sense that we'll fully understand the reasons thing, things happen, but I think it means that we decide that there is a meaning that can come from everything that happens. We may not understand all the reasons, but we can understand what God is trying to accomplish in it. I remind you of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 again in verse number 1 that says, To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Now, as I said, I'm not teaching a psychology class tonight. Dr. Kessler has some good and helpful information. But tonight I want to tell you that there is one, (laughs) capital O, there is one who is a far greater authority, a far greater expert on the subject of grief than anyone else. And I want to take us back into the word of God, and I want to draw our strength and our meaning and our healing and our direction from the one who is truly the world's foremost expert on the subject of grief. I want you to look with me, and if you don't can't turn there quick enough, Isaiah 53, you know these verses well. Verse number 1, who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Listen to verse 4, surely... He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. I want to say tonight, thank God for sending his son, the man of sorrows, the man acquainted with grief, the one, the one and only one, who can bear all of our grief and carry all of our sorrow. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17 and 18 says, Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Listen to this. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted. He is able also to succor them that are tempted, or help them that are tempted. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of time of need. I'm going to tell you something. It is universal for the child of God. Every time you read about their praying through their times of grief and sorrow, they come to the throne seeking mercy. You go back to uh, uh, Psalm uh, 31 that I read earlier in verse 9. What was the first thing David asked for in that prayer? He said, Have mercy upon me, O Lord. And I'm glad to report to you tonight that no matter what you're going through, no matter what loss, no matter what grief, no matter what sorrow, there's good news tonight. We may have to wait until the sweet by and by to get the full understanding of it, but friends, we can have some answers now. And more than that, we can have some help now. And there is a place that we can go to to find grace that we need for the hour that we're in. I'm glad we have one who knows, who's borne our sorrows. He's acquainted with grief, friends. And I don't care what grief it is, you know, whatever you experience, he's felt it, he's been down that road. <laughs> and he sure brought a whole heap of people down that road ahead of us. You know, it helps us to be reminded that the Lord Jesus went through some things. He endured some things. He overcame the greatest grief that anyone ever experienced. You know, just connecting with us, and there are a lot of places in the Bible we could find this that Jesus experienced grief and loss, but you know, you all know John eleven thirty five When Lazarus had died and Jesus comes to the tomb and the people are weeping and Mary and Martha's heart are broken and, Jesus sees that everyone is in despair, and the Bible says Jesus wept. He felt grief during that time. When he was entering Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, you know, just to see the heart of Jesus, Luke chapter 19, verse 41 and 42, and when he was come near, he beheld the city, and the Bible says, and he wept over it saying, If thou hadst known, even thou at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. And the Bible says Jesus wept over the city. It grieved him to see that they were rejecting the truth, that they were about to have to suffer. And then, of course, in the garden of Gethsemane. Mark chapter 14 tells us in verse 32, They came to a place which was named Gethsemane, and he saith to his disciples, Set ye here while I shall pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. And he saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. Amen. And the Bible tells us in Luke 22 and verse 44 that as he was in that garden praying in Gethsemane, it says, And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling to the ground. Oh, friends, we you know he's the man of sorrows and acquainted with griefs. And surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Well, I thank the Lord tonight. And of course, the agony of the cross the suffering of hell, the immeasurable grief of bearing the sins of the world, also that you and I could find meaning, <laughs> meaning in our times of grief. You see, the reality of grief is universal, but friends, the response to grief is determined by whether or not you have this certain anchor of the soul. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18 and 20, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Whether the forerunner for us entered, even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, I'm saying to you, friends, hope is the great antidote for grief in your life. You know what God is doing in times of grief? He is calling us back to that anchor, that steadfast, that sure anchor that we need to latch on to. We need to find the anchor in the shadows. Come back to Psalm 31 and verse 10. David said, For my life is spent with grief, and my years with sighing. My strength faileth because of mine iniquity, and my bones are consumed. He's talking about great grief. But I want you to listen to how it all ends. I'm going to pick up the reading in verse 14. Now listen to it. Listen to it. But I trusted in thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my God. Boy, ain't that good tonight. Verse 15, My times are in thy hand. I'm trusting you. Deliver me from the hand of mine enemies and from them that persecute me. Make thy face to shine upon thy servants. Save me for thy mercy's sake. Let me not be ashamed, O Lord, for I have called upon thee. Let the wicked be ashamed and let them be silent in the grave. Let the lying lips be put to silence, which speak grievous things proudly and contemptuously against the righteous. Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. Thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy presence from the pride of man. Thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he hath showed me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. For I said in my haste, I am cut off from before thine eyes. Nevertheless, thou heardest the voice of my supplications when I cried unto thee. O love the Lord, all ye his saints, for the Lord preserveth the faithful. And plentifully rewardeth the proud doer. Now listen to how he ends. He says, be of good courage. And he shall strengthen your heart. All ye that hope in the Lord. Oh my. Oh my. I'm going to tell you what God is drawing us to in this time that we're in. In the grief that we grow through, go through. He is drawing us to hope. Come back. Come back one last time to First Samuel. I want to bring it to a close tonight here with Hannah again. First Samuel chapter one. It's time for Elkanah to go up to Shiloh and offer to the Lord, and Hannah's still in great distress. But I want you to see how she handles it. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, Why weepest thou? Why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? I want you to notice. I'm going to just point it out as I read what Hannah does in her time of grief. And the first thing I want you to see is she receives some encouragement from her husband. Now, I want to add to that, it might be a little bit of a feeble encouragement because I, here's the thing about it. When someone's going through great grief and loss, it's not the best thing to come to them and say, oh, but just, just, just look at all that you still have. I mean, just look at how good you've got it. You sometimes, sometimes what we're doing is we're messing up and we're trying to convince them not to go through grief. And we need to go through grief. Grief is taking us somewhere, and, and watch, you're going to see it. But at least, at least Elkanah offers Hannah a little bit of encouragement, and she receives that because in verse 9 it says, so Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh. So you know, she had not been eating, she had not been drinking, she had been fasting and weeping, but now because Elkanah has showed her some consideration, she, apparently she eats, and it says, and after she had eaten after they had drunk, now Eli the priest sat upon a seat in the post of the temple of the Lord, and notice this, And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. You know what she did? Hannah took her grief to the Lord in prayer. Friends, whatever it is that you're experiencing during this time, whatever it is you feel like you've lost or that you're missing out on, or whatever it is you're afraid of, the anxiety that may be in your heart, the uncertainties that are out there, look, do like Hannah, take that grief to the Lord in prayer. And she just poured her heart out to the Lord as it's described here. You know, if you read on down, it talks about that Eli's watching her and how she's moving her lips, but he doesn't hear a voice, and he thinks she's drunk. I mean, she is in such prayer. It's very physical. Pour your heart out to the Lord, friends. Take that grief to the Lord in prayer. But then I notice this. She vows a vow to God. She says, God, if you will answer my prayer and give me help, I will honor you. Look at what she says. She vowed a vow in verse 11 and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou would indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid but will give unto thine handmaid a man child then i will give him unto the lord all the days of his life and there shall no razor come upon his head she says lord i just i'm making you a vow if you will help me if you will heal me in my pain in my grief in my sorrow god if you will come and help me i will honor you you know what if we mean that in our heart we're bringing our grief to the lord you know god'll receive that he will God will honor you if you'll honor him. That's a Bible promise. And then the last thing that happens, notice this, and I'm I'm going to skip a few verses. Eli comes and he says, woman, what's wrong with you? You're drunk? And she says, I'm not drunk. I'm just in bitterness of soul. And and she says, I'm just making, verse 16, I'm just making my complaint and grief and and bringing it to the Lord. And she tells Eli uh, that, that, you know, I'm just here to pray. I'm just here to pour my heart out to God. I don't know if she told Eli exactly what she was praying about. I, I don't know. But notice what happens in verse 17. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou sh- that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. What happened? What happened? She accepted the blessing, and she leaves that place filled with hope. Hope. You see, she traded that grief At that altar, she traded that for the hope that was hers. And that hope didn't come from Eli, but praise God, the Lord spoke through Eli that day. But the hope comes from God. The hope comes from placing our faith and our trust in him. She put all her grief in God's hands. Oh, and there's no better place to be than in God's hands. Amen. Remember, she was grieving over the provoking of her adversary. And she was grieving over that that fear of never being a mother. And she took that worry. She took that fear. She took that shame. and She took that guilt. She took that anger. And she poured her heart out to God on that altar. And God heard her prayer. And she got a blessing from the Lord that day. And she walked away in hope. And her countenance was no more sad. i am tell you, that's what God wants to do for us. It sure is. I believe we need to look at grief. I believe we need to grapple with the grief. Because it's taking us somewhere. There's a purpose in it. God wants to bring hope into your life. And whatever that pain is, whatever that loss is, whatever that trouble is, Sunday morning, I I close the message Sunday morning with this thought. If you knew that everything turns out okay in the end, how would you face this difficulty, this current loss, this trouble, this grief? How would you face it differently? If you knew everything was going to turn out all right, in the end, over the next week or so, I want to look at some examples of grief in the Bible. And today we saw Hannah grieving over the suffering of no child, feeling the loss of, being a, of not being a mother. And I also think of Joseph. I think of Job. And of course, as we've already mentioned, I think of our Lord Jesus, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. But as we close tonight, come back with me a moment to Easter morning, <laughs> will you? Mary Magdalene. She had watched Jesus tortured. She'd seen him crucified. She had witnessed him draw his last breath. She had saw the body laid in the tomb and the stone rolled over the top of it. And her Savior, the one who had cast the evil spirits out of her, the one who had given her new life, who had restored her, who had healed her, who had brought joy to her, that one, he was dead. Now you talk about some grief. You talk about some sorrow. You talk about feeling loss. (laughs) The song says, they all walked away. Nothing to say. They just lost their dearest friend. All that he said, now he was dead. So this was the way it would end. The dreams they had dreamed were not what they'd seemed. Now that he was dead and gone, the garden, the jail, the hammer, the nail, How could a night be so long? (laughs) Oh, then came the morning. Night turned into day. The stone was rolled away. Hope rose with the dawn. Then came the morning. Shadows vanished before the sun. Death had lost and life had won. For the morning had come. (laughs) How do you think Mary felt that morning? When she heard him say, Mary. <laughs> oh, friends, I had this thought this morning. Lord Jesus, if you can walk out of that grave, if you can walk out of that tomb alive, you can do anything. And God, we're looking for the morning. Lord, we're looking for the morning. We're looking for the relief. We're trusting. We're, we're, our hearts are desiring to be filled with hope. Praise God we can have it tonight. I got good news for you, Christian. Oh, the morning is coming, and everything turns out spectacularly well. We try so hard to hang on to this world, don't we? This season of loss reminds us that it's okay. It's okay to relax our grip on this world. We're anchored in with a living hope, in a living Savior. And he's coming again, and he's given us a promise. What is it? God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And He that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Oh, friends, I want to stop right here tonight. and As I get ready to have a prayer time, a closing prayer time, here's the thoughts I want to ask you to think on as we pray. I want you to be honest tonight. As you sat there this evening in your home, and I know you're surrounded maybe by family, maybe you're alone, but the Lord's with us. And I want you to be honest tonight. What are you grieving right now? Seriously, what are you grieving right now? Now, again, I could go through a list of things, but the Holy Spirit knows how to point out, put his finger on what it is that you're grieving over. I want you to be able to identify that. Because here's the next thing. We've got to be honest and ask the question, what am I grieving over? But then we've got to be able to bring that thing to the Lord, just like Hannah did, just like David did. And We've got to bring it to the Lord in prayer, just pouring our heart out to Him. Why? So that we can anchor into the hope. That's what we're after tonight. That's what we're after. More on that anchoring in the hope next time. But let's bow our heads in prayer together. Father, oh, Lord. I'm looking forward to the morning. I'm looking forward to uh, the morning, uh, the joy to come. I'm looking forward, Lord, for the, the beauty to come, for the ashes. Lord, I'm looking forward to some understanding that we don't have right now. God, we wish we understood. We wish we understood all your thoughts. We wish we understood all your ways and your plans, but, God, we don't. Sometimes, Lord, we just don't get it. Lord, I know that all of us tonight as we pray together, I think if we're honest, we've identified something in our heart that we're grieving over right now. And some, sometimes it's, it's just, just flat out just because of just loss in life, the death of a loved one. Lord, sometimes it's things like divorce, disease, and we don't understand all this and how it all happens. We don't understand why you would take a loved one from us sometimes. We don't understand why you would allow a pandemic to come into our world. Lord, what we do understand is where we want to stand tonight. And we understand, Lord Jesus, that you promised us, you promised us peace. And you told us not to let our heart be troubled, neither to let it be afraid. God, we want to stand in that tonight, anchored are so anchored in hope god i think that there are many in our church this evening that are kind of suffering because of this distancing they haven't been able to come to church and they haven't been able to be surrounded by friends in the faith family in the faith and and their hearts have taken a hit because of this they're grieving over illness they're grieving over physical weakness God, we've got some dear and precious people in our church tonight that are suffering right now. Some of it's physical, and some of it's emotional. God, all of it is grief. Lord, you're you're the you're the Jesus. You're the man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And God, your word says that that Jesus came to bear our griefs, to carry our sorrows. Lord, if we could tonight, we just want to cast our care upon you. Help your people tonight. God, we sure love you. We sure thank you. It's times like these, Lord, that we need to stay closer, closer more closer tethered, I guess, Lord, to that hope. And I know the season's tough, but God, I thank you for bringing us closer to you. Lord... Hear the prayers of your people tonight. I know there are many special requests. Our prayer list stays updated, and we think about those that are going through some things, some upcoming surgeries that are going to happen in the days and weeks ahead, and, Lord, others that are facing uncertainty about their wellness. And God, we just bring our, our folks to you, and we commit them all to you tonight. Take your word. Do something great in our hearts this evening, and, and uh, thank you for the music. Thank you for the songs. Thank you for the promises. Thank you most of all for your love.